0: So welcome to August at Hope Church. Like the old movie house banners bragging, it's 20 degrees cooler inside, transforming a movie seat into the hottest ticket in town, Hope Church is air-cooled. Thanks to our new HVAC system, we gather in the heat of the summer. August is a month when schools start up again and families move to follow jobs, and August is also when people do a little bit of church shopping. So we devote this month to welcome any who are looking for a new church home. And to those who already call hope home, we devote this time to re-examining what makes us vital, essential. We ask, what's the big idea You can imagine that question in any tone of voice you wish. What's the big idea? Or belittling. What's the big idea? Or maybe enlargement. What's the big idea? We are a church that never, I don't use that word often, never stops asking questions we value the freedom to keep asking. In August, we have five Sundays to look at liberty and independence from many perspectives. So today, we're exploring the free pew. It, in that word, that phrase is common describing Unitarian Universalism. We're a church with a free pulpit and a free pew. Those two freedoms are symbiotic. They go hand in hand, But for the moment, we'll separate them. We're just going to talk about Hope's free pew. Although today, I thought we might reach back into our Unitarian history and return to the days when pews were rented or purchased. And I thought, we always need more money. So just this morning, we're going to raise a little money for Hope Church by doing what our ancestors did, I trust you saw the price tags on your seats. And um, I encourage you to sit where you can pay. You'll see the premium spots, the ones that are cheaper, are um, kind of in the front row. Or I should say the not-so-premium spots. And then the premium ones are one and back, and you people in the far back, those are the pricey seats. Get your checkbooks out before the end of the service. (laughs) You can change seats right now if if you're feeling a little uncomfortable. (laughs) Maybe the front row doesn't look so bad after all. You could buy up a whole row, you know, just so you could have that right spot for your family and dearest friends. It's okay. And I hadn't decided if these amounts were for just today or if this was a year's rental. We'll work that out. The board board will work that out, right? Right? Yeah, okay. So as you mull over how much you might pay today to have that spot all year or for the month, let me read to you from the 1922 Christian Register. This journal was the liberal Christian mouthpiece of its day, published in Boston. It was considered primarily a Unitarian journal. And to put 1922 in local context, it's one year after Tulsa's race riot, and it's also one year after the founding of Tulsa's first Unitarian congregation. Free seats in a free church, the headline announces. And the articles reporting the results of a survey that answers the question, are your seats free, rented, or owned? And the answers vary dramatically by geography. In New England, where the Unitarian roots are deep, several centuries old already, the tradition of buying or renting pews is very strong. 60% of the churches still used it as their primary fundraising method. And then west of the Mississippi, like us in Tulsa, virtually no church had church rentals or buying a pew, a pew rental. So, but if you've have, if you've been to any of the beautiful congregational churches back in New England along the East Coast, you may have seen how their interior architecture supports the notion of a pew. As real estate. Instead of long rows of pews, there literally are boxes. We might call them half height cubicles, all on the main floor. And to enter, you have to go through a locking door or gate. And most boxes have plaques announcing who owns the pew or the box. I grew up in a church with long pews that seemed, seemed open to any and every one of all ages. And in retrospect, I now understand that economic and racial and social barriers to the pews weren't solid or visible, but still very real in my all-white, midtown, Tulsa conservative, Episcopal church. But back to the... Christian Register survey. The comments in the 1922 article come from over 200 ministers in churches in both the United States and Canada, and they're telling and heartbreaking. For example, in Maine, a minister writes, a promising young man and family trying in vain to get a pew permanently were shown into a seat usually occupied. The following tactless remark later got to the young man's ears. You crowded so-and-so out of his pew today. The man was offended and declared he would never step into the church again. Another writes, It caters to the acquisitive and possessive instinct. Because a person has large wealth is no reason why he should be allowed to rent and keep vacant a whole pew when at best that person can occupy 23 inches of it. Rather than raise funds as intended, the pew sales and rentals closed down some churches. A minister reports, a church of which I was minister sold pews, some of which were finally inherited by evangelical people. These owners rented to pews to Unitarians, putting the rental price in their private account. The only way to stop the nuisance would have been to buy the pews. But the church was too poor to do this. As a result, services discontinued. West of the Mississippi, those churches scolded we think rented pews is abominable. There is nothing to be said in favor of renting pews. Or, this is the first year of the free pew system, and at the close of the financial year, the parish had a large balance in the treasury, instead of the customary deficit. A number who have contributed who never owned seats or gave before. Now, What interested me most were the comments about transformations in the character of the church, not just the financial comings and goings. One minister wrote, I I would not accept a pulpit where the pews were rented or sold. It shuts the door in the face of the self-respecting poor. No one... Can say, This is my seat. I've seen a millionaire and a store clerk singing from the same book. In a church of which I was formerly pastor, I could grade my people financially by the location of their seats. The free pew system has democratized and financially strengthened this church. So, fortunately, things have changed in the last hundred years. And today, if you look through books or search online for Unitarian Free Pew, its meaning is told in abstractions, words about community and covenant, since buying a pew is such an antiquated system. As the 19th century ministers out west make clear, the free pew changes the soul of the church, transforming it from a Plutocracy, where wealth and stature are on display, the church becomes democratic. People are valued as people. So, our free pews at Hope are the foundation for the democratic principles that undergird our religious community. And before, I've always pointed to the explicitly democratic things we do here the governance we use to operate and make decisions. Our bylaws require us to have annual meetings, and we discuss together and vote on our budget and board, and our committees operate as informal democracies. But now I see our democratic impulse is more than policy. It's at the heart of our theology. Our hospitality is democratic. We welcome all. We work together to learn, then, and adjust our reactions that cause us to view one person as more valuable than another. We agree to protect each other's freedoms to believe. We assent to majority rule while lifting up and protecting minority rights. We embrace and act on our responsibility to care for one another. We come together in dialogue. We seek to educate ourselves about our critical differences. And then ideally, we take what we learn about these civic and civil behaviors out into the world to make our community a better place for all is integral to democracy. For example, at Hope Church, we support public education as vital critical to a healthy democracy and that's our social justice outreach committee is urging us to become this partner in education with McClure and the school is close it's just four miles away just west of here yet it serves a low income pocket of our city we have much to learn from them maybe we have more to learn from them than to than we have to give. So we're developing a relationship with them. And another example is our founding and ongoing work to build a community organizing group. This project, the Tulsa Sponsoring Committee, is hands-on democracy in action, because we're learning how to build power together. We help all we, the people, find our and their rightful voices. We listen to each other. We identify common local issues and learn to speak them. So, really, Hope Church is shaping informed citizens who can interrupt with open hearts the cruel and intolerant directions our American democracy is taking from time to time. Democracy is religious work because it entails developing the social and emotional intelligences of curiosity, humility and charity. though we try to cultivate those here. Democracy is Unitarian universalist religious work, because we commit to the ideal of honoring and welcoming diversity: Free Pew. Paul Parker Palmer, a teacher and leader I greatly admire, has written Healing the Heart of Democracy, The Courage to Create a Politics Worthy of the Human Spirit. And he asks, how shall we respond to these cultural trends that diminish us all? Rightly understood, politics is no game It is the ancient and honorable human endeavor of creating a community in which the weak as well as the strong can flourish, love and power can collaborate and justice and mercy can have their day. We, the people, must build a political life rooted in the commonwealth of compassion and creativity still found among us becoming a civic community sufficiently united to know our own will and hold those who govern accountable to it. End quote. So our free pew is not an enclosed box of theological ideas. It's a spacious seat at the commonwealth of compassion. Our free pew is not funded by an elite few. It's an available space for any ordinary citizen. Our free pew is not bounded by singular views. It's an ever-expanding continuum of understanding. Our free pew is not a walled-off area of enshrined phrases. It's the chair where we practice countering outrageous talk that is historically inaccurate, intellectually dishonest, morally offensive, or willfully tone deaf our free pew means taking a seat in the midst of diversity the hot seat if you will the free pew is a seat of stress Gerald talked about this with diversity we feel tension and it's a tension that can lead to discomfort and distrust conflict even violence and war yes And this is very important. The stress from diversity and difference need not be destructive. It need not lead to distress. When we hold our differences with respect, patience, and openness, the stress from diversity is beneficial. When we choose to engage, not evade the tension of our differences, we become better equipped to participate in family, in church, in a city. And the opposite of distress is U stress, spelled E U S T R E S S. U stress is beneficial and positive stress that leads to growth. And that's what democracy is designed for creative tension holding, for using the stress from diversity and differences positively. In our national democracy, we have systems to help transform the stress into creative solutions, from the separation of power, system of checks and balances, tug of war between federal and state governments, adversarial system of justice. They don't feel like they work, but they ultimately, over time, can create incredibly creative solutions. And these tools of American democracy are intended to generate, not suppress the energy created by conflict. Democracy can convert the tensions into social project pro- progress just as a hydroelectric plant converts the energy of dammed-up water into usable power. So in our church's democracy, we also rely on checks and balances. The the church annually elects a lay board of trustees. We rotate this leadership and selection, and it's not based on pledge levels or how much you pay to sit in your pew, the selections based on open-hearted spirit and commitment. We have transparent budgets and policies. And then we enter into covenants to foster collaboration and respect. So at Hope, we practice the skills necessary to listen to each other openly and without fear. We learn how much we have in common despite our differences. We deepen our empathy for the alien other. We enter imaginatively into the experiences of people whose lives are radically different. We practice holding what we believe and know with conviction, with conviction, while being willing to listen openly to other viewpoints. So we sit in free pews. So since we don't want the price tag you found in your chair today to divide us, the other side of the card has a question to draw out our differences and perspectives for examining together. One way to draw democracy into the pulpit is to ask what's on your minds? What's on your hearts? What do you consider the most burning moral issue of our time? So I challenge you, in the form of a short question, to write an answer and leave it on our administrator's desk. I meant to put a box there. I'll find a box. So our free pew, together with this little experiment in democratizing sermon talk- topics, has the potential to open us up to each other and to sustain our creative tensions, our eustress in the face of our differences. May it be so.